This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time to shine the spotlight on China. From the G7's attempt to compete with China's formidable Belt and Road Initiative to students in Beijing returning to school after two months of online learning. And of course, Chinese President Xi Jinping taking a shot at the U.S. and its allies over opposition to the war in Ukraine. Let's take a look at these headlines with the help of Tan Don Wei, China Bureau Chief for The Straits Times. Good morning, Don. Let's start off with the G7 group over the weekend announcing an attempt to compete with China's formidable Belt and Road Initiative by raising some $831 billion for global infrastructure programs in poor countries. Don, how has China reacted to this G7 announcement? How will this pledge counter China's Belt and Road Initiative? And why on earth does the G7 see a need to do so? Hi, good morning. China's foreign ministry yesterday took issue with the Belt and Road Initiative being described as a debt trap and accused the U.S. of being the real creator of debt traps instead with its expansionary monetary policy and financial practices. The foreign ministry defended the Belt and Road Initiative by saying none of the partner countries have endorsed this view that the program is a debt trap and, in fact, World Bank estimates show that if fully implemented, the BRI could lift 7.6 million people out of extreme poverty and 32 million out of moderate poverty by 2030. The U.S. has said this G7 program will help poorer countries grow at a more sustainable pace instead of being saddled with Chinese loans, which they will have trouble repaying and hence be subjected to China's political influence. The money will be raised from both public and private investments, and Mr. Biden made it clear that it's not aid nor charity, but an investment that will yield returns for all parties involved. But he also again framed it as an initiative led by democracies, and said the program is a chance for countries to see the concrete benefits of partnering with democracies. It is on the one hand an initiative that aims to rival China's Belt and Road, to curtail the expansion of China's influence, but on the other hand is also a program that seeks to reap rewards with investments in fast-growing emerging economies that will help the sustainable recovery of the global economy. Okay, Don, Beijing has finally allowed students to return to school after two months of online learning at home because of the COVID-19 outbreak in the capital city. This all started yesterday. What's the situation in Beijing now? What kind of reaction are we seeing? Parents rejoicing, perhaps. And how about other restrictions there? What are still in place? Yes, parents were rejoicing on the weekend when they got notice from schools that their children would be allowed back to the classrooms from yesterday. It's been tough on parents who have had to monitor their children's online learning at home for the past two months after Beijing imposed strict measures to curb the spread of COVID. Some parents have had to take their children to work, while others asked to work from home, with no certainty when schools would resume. But other restrictions continue to be in place in Beijing. For instance, public venues and taxis and public transport still require proof of a negative COVID test taken within 72 hours. So we are all still testing once every three days. Bars are still shut after an outbreak happened in a bar in the popular Sanlitun area just days after some restrictions were lifted. And restaurants have to cap the number of diners at half their capacity. 
Just to put things in perspective, there were four cases reported in Beijing on Sunday, and yet the authorities do not appear to be ready to relax these pretty tough measures just yet, even though businesses are suffering. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Like us and rate us. And now back to our podcast episode. Final issue, Don. Chinese President Xi Jinping at a virtual meeting of the leaders of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa has said that the world should oppose unilateral sanctions and efforts by some countries to maintain their political and military power. Now, from your perspective, is this presidency's attempt to take a shot at the U.S. perhaps and its allies of the opposition to the war in Ukraine? Does it also reflect China's tactic? You know, the backing that they've given to Russia in that sense, and why the presidency? Make this remark at this particular event specifically. Yes, I think it's pretty clear who he was referring to, even without naming any country. China has repeatedly objected to sanctions that have been imposed on Russia because of the Ukraine war, and it too has, time and again, blamed the U.S. and NATO for their expansion and essentially backing Putin into a corner. At the BRICS summit, of which Russia is a part of. Mr. C had said that BRICS countries should support each other on issues concerning core interests, which could be interpreted as China backing Russia as it seeks to bolster alliances, just as the U.S. has done. In fact, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has been pushing for the expansion of the BRICS grouping to include more countries. Mr. C's remarks at the summit is also an opportunity for China to oppose what the U.S. has done and push back the. Current global order and advance its own vision of global governance. For instance, Mr. C had talked about working with the BRICS countries and shaping the Global Development Initiative and the Global Security Initiative, two new concepts that challenge the U.S.-led security order and also give China greater influence in global development. Been speaking with Tan Donwei, China bureau chief for the Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Like us and rate us.